Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today on the program, Mac Dominic is here to help us battle evil through the power of God's Word. The latest issue of the Prophetic Observer is now available. Each month, the Prophetic Observer has timely articles about prophecy in light of today's events. An excellent outreach tool, many people give copies of the Prophetic Observer to friends and family so that they can stay informed. Subscribe to the Prophetic Observer today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Each year, SWRC presents its Prophecy Calendar. This special resource benefits you and the prisoners we serve through our Onesimus Prison Ministry Outreach. This year, the calendar is truly spectacular, with stunning pictures from the Holy Land and added bonuses that I know you're going to enjoy. Southwest Radio Ministries creates this unique calendar from differing parts of the world, filled with scripture, comfort, and inspiration from God's Word. We also partner with each of you who purchase a calendar to encourage prisoners in our Onesimus Prison Ministry. For every calendar that you order, a calendar will be given to a prisoner free of charge. Order your calendar and encourage a prisoner. Calendars are ready to ship today. Order yours when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website, swrc.com. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, welcomes Mac Dominic to today's program. Mac is ready to inform and incite action to battle the evil that is all around us. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus specifically taught his disciples to pray, deliver us from evil. Now, friends, this is a much-needed petition in today's world. Indeed, it seems like the gates of hell were opened in 2020. Our guest is Mac Dominic, who has produced a very provocative DVD titled, Deliver Us From Evil, and we're looking at part two today. We're going to be speaking about part two. Mac, thank you so much for being our guest on the show. Once again, we've had you on many, many times. You're one of our favorites. Oh, it's one of my favorite things to do too, Larry. Well, as we think of this subject, Deliver Us From Evil, let me start with what I think is a good question. You know, if we want to expose the evil that exists in our world today, why are going all the way back to the early chapters of of Genesis? Why are we going back way back to Genesis to get the answer? Well, I I think that's an extremely good question. But the truth of the matter is, and, you know, when you stop and think about it, we believe as born-again Christians that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Now, that includes the entire Bible, not just the New Testament, not just the Gospels, not just the sayings of Jesus, but the entire Bible is the inspired Word of God. And if we believe that, we should be closely examining the text of the entire Bible for any issues we face in our lives. You know, there are actually churches, and I could call a famous pastor's name if if I weren't saying this publicly, so I will be a nice guy and not do that. But there's one very famous pastor that's come right out and and said, well, we don't even teach the Old Testament in our church anymore. We're more concerned about evangelism and the work of Christ and the kingdom 
and the New Testament, so we don't even teach the Old Testament anymore. But I've got news for him and for people like that that would make that statement is that we actually need, especially these first 11 chapters of Genesis that we're studying in this, in this series we're doing, to correctly understand the rest of the Bible. These chapters are not just primordial stories that teach some fairy tale like Grimm's fairy tale. These are actual events that happen. These are things that have affected mankind today, and they are affecting us today. So if we don't grasp Genesis 1 through 11 in its complete context, and that's what we're trying to do here, the understanding of the rest of the Bible could be easily lost on us. Yes, now, you're right. Now, in order to, in order to implement this, we have, we're looking at three major rebellions that occurred in Genesis 1 through 11. We covered the first one in part one of the series, and that was the, that was the fall of man and the fall of Satan. We kind of treated that as one. It is two different events, but it came probably very close together, and we can kind of put it under one umbrella. And what happened with the fall of man and the fall of Satan, we saw the corruption of the human race. In other words, you know, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That came from rebellion number one. Now, we're looking in this, in this section, this part of re- at rebellion number two, and we see in rebellion number two several things going on, and we'll be talking about this, but rebellion number two is Genesis chapter six, verses one through four, if you want to include the entire, the entire discourse of it, verses one through nine, talks about the angels that sinned, that came and engendered a race of giants with mortal women and did all kinds of things on the earth that ended up bringing the flood. And so this rebellion established false gods, and that's why we titled this, uh, this section The Birth of the Gods. It also eventually ended up creating demons. And, mm. and lastly... The things that were taught to mankind by these entities corrupted man even more than they were corrupted just by sin. So we had the teaching of the, uh, of the so-called fallen angels that descended to earth, and we see that their teaching corrupted mankind even more. Now, if we want to skip forward to rebellion number three, and that's going to be the Tower of Babel, that is that will be the corruption of the na- of the nations, and we'll deal with that in a in another interview, I'm sure, Larry. But the good news in all of this is that is that all of these rebellions, which did set a baseline for sin, the corruption of the race, the the degradation and depravity of mankind, and all the theological terms you want to throw at it. All of this that happened from these first three rebellions will be reversed. As a matter of fact, the reversal has already started, because when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for sin, and we know, and also, you know, it's an interesting thing that when Jesus died on the cross, there's uh, one of the Gospels talks about 
Oh, well, in the Psalms, actually. It talks about when Jesus was on the cross, the bulls of Bashan were right. around him, mocking him. And we know that those are demonic forces that came from rebellion number two. So Jesus began the reversal. The reversal of all these things obviously won't be complete until Jesus establishes his millennial kingdom on the earth because we still have to deal with the effects and sin every day in our lives. And today we're dealing with the effects of even uh, increased evil. But all of these things will be reversed over the time between Jesus dying on the cross and the time he sets up his kingdom to rule and reign for a thousand years. Amen. Well, I, I want to underscore what you said about Genesis 1 through 11. Uh, very, very important. In fact, many, many years ago, I took a postgraduate seminar with a very famous Christian Hebrew scholar. And he said, well, you know, he said, Genesis 1 through 11, uh, that's all myth. That's fake stuff. He said, history starts with Genesis 12. Now, he was a Hebrew scholar, and I learned a lot. But, of course, my underlying assumption is that all the Bible, especially like you have just pointed out, Genesis 1 through 11, are critically important. So, you might be able to understand the Hebrew and all about a lot of historical things, but if you don't include Genesis 1 through 11 in your theology, you have missed so much. And so I thank you, Mac, for, for pointing that out. Well, you did a wonderful uh, job in explaining that. So let me ask you, who were the sons of God and the daughters of men in Genesis 6? Well, we... We see that, and, and again, you mentioned the Hebrew, Larry. The, um, the sons of God, in the Hebrew, that's the phrase, B'nai Ha Elohim. And every time, every time that phrase occurs in the Old Testament, it is speaking about angels. As a matter of fact, you know, one of the more famous occurrences of that is in the book of Job, when God is sitting in heaven on his throne, and the sons of God come to give their report to God. And, of course, among those sons of God is Satan himself. The word there, in the, the phrase there in the Hebrew is benai ha Elohim. So we see, we see that these sons of God are, are always referred to as benai ha Elohim. Now, we also have to understand, when we, when we start talking about this phrase, of exactly the meaning of that word Elohim. That word occurs many, many times in our Old Testament in the original language again, and most of the time it is translated as God with a chap, capital G. But there are times that the context dictates it should be capital God or gods with a small g, meaning it is not referring to God the Father. So we have to understand that the word Elohim does not always talk about the Creator, God, the Father, that we worship and serve, but Elohim as a general term is quite something else. Right. And when we look at all of the occurrence of, of it in the Old Testament, we have to come to the conclusion that an Elohim is an inhabitant of the spiritual realm, be it God be it angels, 
be it other spiritual entities, cherubim, seraphim, or, or, and all of those, that terminology that we see when we translate our Old Testament. But we have to understand that the word Elohim is not always referring to God. Right. Is God an Elohim? Absolutely. Is God the, the head of the Elohim? Absolutely. Did God create the other Elohim? Absolutely. But we have to understand that the term Elohim is more of a term that just speaks of a placement of a spiritual creature. So an Elohim is a resident of the spiritual realm. So we have the Benaiha Elohim, which are the sons of God, and they in turn are Elohim that dwell in the spiritual realm. Since that phrase is, is translated as angels everywhere else in the Old Testament, we have to we have to take our Bible in context and come to the logical contextual conclusion that the Benai Ha Elohim are angels. So when the sons of God, the Benai Ha Elohim, saw the daughters of men now. In the Hebrew, that phrase is not daughters of men, but the daughters of Adam. So that includes every female that was born living on the earth at the time. So, so we have to understand that this is not a specific group of women, but it is every female on the earth because every female on the earth before the flood was a daughter of Adam. As a matter of right. fact, every female living today is a daughter of Adam. Right. But, the, but the fact of the matter is, it is all-inclusive. And so that phrase makes it very clear that angels saw human women, and they took them wives of whom they chose. So what we have here is we have angels that descended on earth to earth, in bodily form, took wives and had sexual relations with human women, and they uh, engendered a, an entire new, entirely new hybrid race. Now, we see that in the next verse when it says, and there were giants in the earth in those days. That word in our English Bible that's translated giants in most of our translations is, the, is from the word gigantus, which is the, and that, that's from the Greek. Well, right. ask the first question you ask is, well, why are, we, why are we translating Greek from a Hebrew Bible? Well, the fact of the matter is, the Greek is translated from the Greek Septuagint, which is the oldest existing translation of, our Old Test, of, of the Old Testament scriptures, and the, whether it was the King James translators or the translators prior to the King James translation, or even some of the modern translations, like the ESV, for example, they use, they use the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation from 250 B.C., to help in aiding in the translation of those words. The reason that that word gigantus was used and giants were there is because the Hebrew word there is a word that is, that is Nephilim, N-E-P-H, 
I L I M if I'm I'm not looking at it. So my I'm a um, I'm not a very good speller. So I think that's right. The word Nephilim, which actually, if you look at that word, most most scholars will tell you, well, that the meaning of that in the Hebrew is fallen ones, but that could be a loan word from the Aramaic of Nephal, which also means giants. So in either case, in either case, the uh, the hybrid race that was born to these embodied angels and the daughters of Adam were giants. And historically, not only in the Bible, but we see history of giants all over the place for anyone yeah. that wants to wants to look into it. So, the sons of God were the angels, the daughters of men were human women, and the result was a hybrid race, which in the Hebrew is called the Nephilim. Does that answer your question? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a very, very good explanation, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that out, because some, some people will say the sons of God are the descendants of Seth, the Sethites, the godly ones. Well, that yeah. is just, uh, that's wrong, and I'm glad you brought that out. Well, the Bene well, Yahu- well, yeah, well this, here's, this the, is, thing, here, here's the thing, Larry, the text doesn't say that. Yes, You know, know. <laughs> uh, the line of Seth, and, you know, and, and we have to understand that, yes, Seth was the third son of Adam and Eve. We, we guess he was the third son of Adam and Eve because... You know, Eve said she'd gotten a man to more or less replace Abel. But after Adam and Eve had Seth, Adam lived how many, 700 and something years? Oh, yes. And it says they had sons and daughters. So, so we just, you know, there is nowhere in the Bible that says the line of Seth was more godly than, than anyone else, actually, or anything special about it. And then, the, you know, the other side of that is that this, the, the theory is the line of Seth intermarried with the line of Cain and produced, the, produced this wicked generation, but there is nowhere, there's nowhere that the Bible tells us that. The language doesn't support it, the context doesn't support it, and practically speaking, it is, it's not there. Right, and a very good point about that, too, is that, you know, every day, believers marry non-believers. Godly people marry ungodly people, but it doesn't produce a worldwide flood. This, this was serious. This was something that made God very unhappy, and I think the only logical conclusion is the one that you have taught and are espousing, and it's the one I believe, and it's also the view of the early church. It's only later on uh, with amillennialism, Augustine, and some later writers that you get all these these other views. Well, we don't have too much more time, but but how could angels possibly produce offspring with human women? that's That's a good question, and the big argument we get most of the time to this view of the Scripture is that, well, you know, Jesus said in the Old Testament, the angels do not marry. And, and um, I'm sorry, Jesus said in the New Testament mm, right. that angels do not marry. And that is absolutely true. Angels in heaven do not marry. But what we see here, and what is, what is obvious, you know, and we can go, about, go through the entire Old Testament, 
and cut me off when you need to, Larry, because I, I might go on and on with this. <laughs> but what we see through the entire Old Testament is the appearance of angels that look like what? That look like men. Now, you know, we see in the book of, uh, we see in the book of Ezekiel and other places, we see descriptions of these shining creatures that don't look anything like men. But there are other places in the Old Testament, for instance, that when the angel of the Lord, which was obviously a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, came to Abraham, his two companions were also angels, and they looked like men. The angels that visited Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah looked like men. So therefore, we know that angels are permitted by God to appear to men and women in a bodily form that looks like a man and maybe even a woman. We, that, that's something that's uh, a discussion for another time. But the, but the fact of the matter is, is angels can embody. Yeah. And if they embodied as a human male, and they were able, to, as the Bible says, they were able to produce offspring, we have to assume that they had all the proper fixtures on their body to make that happen. Amen. And the plumbing internally to make that happen as well. Right. Let so, me jump, jump in here. We'll, we'll have to continue that on our uh, program tomorrow. We're going to have uh, Mac Dominic uh, back with us, and I'm looking forward to uh, continuing our discussion on our next program. So friends, be sure to tune in. And Mac, we'll be having you on again. Thank you so much, dear brother, for the good job that you are doing in making sense of Genesis 6, 4, and 5. You're welcome, Larry. Mac Dominic will have more to share on battling evil on our next program. The DVD series from Mac Dominic entitled Deliver Us From Evil, Volume 1 and 2 are now available. These DVDs will inform and incite action to battle evil. It will reinforce the fact that we worship an all-powerful, supernatural God. And if God is supernatural, His Word is a supernatural book. This study will delve into those supernatural aspects. Order the Deliver Us From Evil collection by Mac Dominic when you call 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order at our website, swrc.com. In our evangelical Christian culture, we have drained the Bible of exciting and critical information because we've been taught that many of its major characters are imaginary or make-believe. Most Bible teachers seem to think the citizens of Babylon, Egypt, Greece, and Rome were grown-ups who regularly played with their imaginary friends. This study will journey through the Bible to acquaint and educate you about these spiritual realities. Deliver us from evil. Part 1 and Part 2 DVD Collection. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Could the recent gathering of church leaders at the Vatican foreshadow a one-world system of worship? Could world leaders take advantage of the wars in Israel and Ukraine to usher in their vision for globalism? Let's find out with Josh Davis in today's One World Update. A recent gathering of church leaders at the Vatican could foreshadow the rise of the one world religious mindset. 
I'll share more about that in a moment. But first, could world leaders take advantage of wars to promote globalism? Russia and China are closely monitoring this war in Israel, and they're strengthening their own ties in the process. Vladimir Putin has called on Israel to end its war with Hamas and went so far as to compare Israel's attempt to root out the terrorists in Gaza to the Nazis' tactics used against Jews in Leningrad during World War II. How insulting can you get? So as Russia and China deepen their partnerships, the divide between them and the USA increases. Thus far, the U.S. has pledged to support Israel in opposition to Russia and China. And we've got to remember that the U.S. has backed Ukraine ever since its war with Russia started back in February 2022. Could these world powers be choosing sides for a potential World War III? The U.S. has given over $100 billion of aid to Ukraine since February of 2022. And recently, President Biden asked Congress to approve another $100 billion to support Israel and Ukraine. When you break down the numbers, Israel would receive about $14 billion, which is just over 10% of this proposed spending. Over $60 billion would go to Ukraine. So what's going to happen to this other $30-plus billion? Well, the Biden administration explains that some of it would be sent to the U.S.-Mexico border for added border security and various other billions would be sent around the world for other projects. You know, is it just me, or does it seem like these numbers are just make-believe? Politicians throw around the word billions like it's pocket change uh, to folks like you and me. Part of America's funds for Ukraine, this is very interesting, have been used to develop a state-of-the-art digital identity app. Did you know that part of our funds for them were being used in this way? It's inspiring other countries to follow suit. And get this, although the project was started in 2019, the war with Russia has served as a catalyst to push this digital government platform. So it's estimated now that 70% of Ukrainians have this digital ID. And what is it used for? Well, it's used to store biometric passports, tax IDs, driver's licenses, and access to public services. Even the war with Russia has taken on a new dimension as users can send the geolocation of enemy tanks through the app. In spite of all these signs of the times, we must remain vigilant right here, right now, as watchmen on the wall. God's given us this moment to shine His beautiful light brightly into this present darkness. Let's take full advantage of this moment and speak His truth with boldness in love. I want to leave you with the words, Jesus' words, to his followers found in Luke 21, 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The DVD series from Mac Dominic, Deliver Us From Evil, Volumes 1 and 2, are now available. These DVDs will inform and incite action to battle the evil that is all around us. It will reinforce the fact that we worship an all-powerful, supernatural God. And if God is supernatural, His Word is a supernatural book. Order Deliver Us From Evil Collection by Mac Dominic when you call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Mac Dominic will share part two of his series, Deliver Us From Evil. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.